This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. When Marc-Andre Hamlin was just a teenager, he discovered the music of William Bolcom. And then he won a competition. And guess what? One of the composers in residence was William Bolcom. So he got to know him pretty well and make music with him. And now many years later, he has recorded the complete rags of William Bolcom. And that's what we hear about this week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. Mark, the last time that we spoke, you were diving deep into the little-known sonatas of Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach. So how have you found yourself moving through those works now to the complete rags of American composer William Bolcom on your latest release? Well, it's, it just seemed like a really good idea at the time. I mean, uh, it, it wasn't one project, then another, because actually... The CPE Bach project was uh, recorded in January of 2021, but the the Bolcom project was ready at the time. So as soon as we finished recording the CPE, which took two and a half days, we started on the Bolcom. And we uh, we had, I think... I think it was four days in January, so we could do an, uh, one and a half days of Bolcom, and then uh, I think in the following March we we completed the project. So the the, the, the you could say that the CPE Bach and the Bolcom were done at, at around the same time. Yeah, that's so interesting, and maybe this is very common, but it makes me think that you know you're working on different repertoire like that. What's that like to immerse yourself in two things that seem to be quite different? I don't see a problem there, really. I, I just feel it's quite natural to me. Um, just as when you are giving a mixed recital, I mean, every work really has to sound like itself, and uh, you you can't apply a, a sort of a uniform a tone, the same tone, to every single work in the program. Supposing you you're playing Bach and then Mozart and then Debussy, Prokofiev and Chopin. I mean, they can't all sound the same. So uh, in the same way that you have to adjust within a recital, you shouldn't have any problem from shifting from C.P. Bach to Bolcom, however different they may be. And uh, what, uh, one of the things that helped was that I was very familiar with Bolcom's rag idiom from my teenage years, actually. That's when I discovered his rags. And uh, of course... I didn't know all of them back then, and he said, certainly hadn't written all of them back then. He still had uh, a lot more to go. But I, I remember uh, when I was a teenager, it was a very, very exciting discovery for uh, for me to learn about these rags and also his recordings of them. William Bolcom wrote the liner notes for your new recording, and that makes me wonder, are the two of you friends or colleagues? Do you have a, a relationship? Well, because I knew about him from such a young age. I mean, I was I must have been like 15 or something, 16. I was, of course, eager to, to know more about him, especially since he also wrote some rather avant-garde things. I mean, his first set of etudes, uh, which I saw a few excerpts around the same time in, in an article, you know, just a few score excerpts, uh, 
seemed to me really, I mean, I was scratching my head because I thought, you know, could, can this be the same person who wrote those rags? But of course it is, you know, because he had a very, very solid uh, uh, classical uh, educational background. He studied with uh, Darius Mio, and uh, uh, so that uh, that gave him a very, very solid foundation. But he he was also uh, attracted by the vernacular and, and the and the American popular music genres. So I was always eager to find out more about him, and I found I found out more and more and more actually. And uh, in 1985, I won this uh, competition that was uh, sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation. It was the Carnegie Hall Competition for American Music, and one of the prizes was an invitation to the Cabrillo Festival in California, which is still going on, I think, and. Um, the two composers in resonance uh, that year happened to be Arvo Pert and William Bolcom, by quite an extraordinary chance. So I got to meet him, and uh, we were actually uh, housed in the same private house because it was a rather large uh, place that we were housed in, and it was uh, wonderful. So we got to have meals together and got to know each other, and uh, we worked together on his music because I played the piano concerto there on that occasion as well as the first uh, complete performance of his, uh, of the first nine of his uh, 12 new etudes because he hadn't written the uh, the last three uh, yet. So uh, we spent quite a lot of time together and it was wonderful. It's one thing to include one of his rags in one of your recital programs. It's another thing to record all 26 of them. Why did you want to do that? Well, I, I thought it would be a good thing to make people aware of this chunk of the literature. I always like to say that in Europe and in the UK or whatever, you know, people hardly know his name and they certainly don't know his rags for the with the possible exception of his most popular one which is Graceful Ghost, which is also besides the original piano setting is also also exists as a violin and piano arrangement and it's played as such from time to time. But even in the States, actually, uh, his rags aren't terribly well-known. Uh, one always hears the same ones. So uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity to have them all in one place. And uh, I hope that it's going to uh, spark some, some more interest. What is it about the ragtime genre that attracts you to this music and to these pieces? Well... I became first exposed to the ragtime genre, actually, when I was uh, even a younger teenager. It was a few years before I, I heard Bolcom's pieces, uh, when my dad came home with a volume of the complete Scott Joplin. And uh, so I started exploring those. And uh, I, I guess I, I, I always had a, a kind of a penchant for more popular music aside from the classical education that I had. And that, that's, that's how it started, really. There's a lot of diversity in these rags written by William Bolcom. Can you talk a little bit about the many moods that we experience throughout this two-CD set? Well, there are ones where Joplin's influence was, is really quite apparent. Uh, 
that's where he started his exploration of Joplin, you know, because uh, at the beginning he didn't know who Joplin was. And uh, I think it would have been when he was 29 years old. He was teaching at the same establishment as Rudy Blesch, who was a ragtime pioneer as far as writing about ragtime. And uh, one day he asked him, uh, I heard about the fact that there's a ragtime opera. You know, do you know anything about it? And he said, uh, I have the, the vocal score at home. It's Scott Joplin's True Manisha. Would you like me to bring it next week? And that, that's actually how it all started for him. And, and I think his first rags were a little more Joplin-influenced, even though he was adding some touches of his own. But in other pieces, um, the language is a lot more advanced, even though it always remains tonal, and in most cases, very tonal. There is one of them, uh, which is a kind of a joke, actually. It's called Brass Knuckles. And in, it was written in collaboration with uh, William Albright, the late William Albright. And uh, they decided to write that together one day as sort of an antidote to the over-delicate rags that they'd each been writing. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's just a joke, of course, but it's full of clusters and, and very violent piano writing. That's why I put it at the very end of the two CD set. <laughs> because uh, I think there are certain people who might, after hearing that piece, want to take the CD out <laughs> of the player. <laughs> but, it's, but it's fun. When I first heard that Brass Knuckles, I mean, I, I, I just laughed my head off. It was, a, it was wonderful, I thought. There's another one, though, that's kind of raucous called Knockout, where you're using knuckles on the keyboard. And it was Philip Brunel in Vocal Essence who commissioned that piece for a big William Bolcom festival in 2007. Tell me about that piece. Uh, well, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> Along with uh, playing, I mean, you have to rhythmically uh, wrap uh, your knuckles on the, um, the fallboard of the piano. And sometimes, occasionally, uh, Bill asks for those effects. One of the rags from the Garden of Eden suite, which is called The Serpent's Kiss, asks for the same kind of uh, percussive sound on the piano. But since I couldn't really do it, uh, I mean, you have to do it repeatedly and then play chords and then knock, knock, play chords. And I couldn't do it fast enough, so I just developed a system of tongue clicks. was so amused by this during the recording session that, that, that he allowed me to keep that. 
I mean, it's a percussive sound like any other, you know, but the... I was wondering how you were making that sound, so thanks for explaining that. Now, did you say William Bolcom was there during the recording session? Yeah, uh, he wasn't there in the flesh, but uh, just as we are talking right now, you and me, uh, uh, the whole session was through Zoom because the session was in Worcester, Massachusetts, and uh, he lives in Michigan, you know, so... Um, the downside of it is that the piano sound through Zoom is never very wonderful, you know. So uh, I think that when he finally heard the result with proper audio, he got quite a pleasurable shock, I think. There's also a fun whistle at the end of the serpent's kiss. What does that represent? It's harking back to the previous rag in the set, which is called the Eternal Feminine. It's just a recollection of the main theme of that rag, and uh, I guess Bill thought it would be interesting uh, maybe to make it sound more nostalgic, you know, to have it whistled rather than played. Although you have the option of playing it, actually playing it on the keyboard, if you can't whistle. The opening rag is Yubi's Lucky Day, and this one is dedicated to Yubi Blake. And I think I read that Bolcom considers Blake to be his last great teacher. Do you know anything about that story? The thing is, it, it, the fact that he connected with Yubi Blake is really extraordinary for him because Bill knew so much about. American popular music, the history of American popular music, and of course, performing with his wife, Joan Morris, uh, all these years, ran the gamut of uh, American popular songs. So it was wonderful to be in contact with someone who was there from pretty much the, the very beginning. And uh, I think Yubi was able was able to tell him really how it happened then, you know, how it happened back then. So I'm sure there's a lot of insights. And actually... Bill co-wrote a book with Robert Kimball about Cecil and Blake. So um, that, that was an offshoot of that collaboration and that friendship. did dedicate one of his rags to his wife, mezzo-soprano Joan Morris. It's called Contentment. How do you feel when you play this piece? Well, it's very sweet. I mean, they are getting close to celebrating 50 years of a really wonderful and happy marriage. And um, I, uh, I, I think it's a very sweet thing to do. I've done it myself with my wife, I wrote a, uh, a theme and variations for her in early in our relationship. And it's just really wonderful to be able to express your love other than in words. And that also was his last rag. He kept thinking, this is my last one. No, this is my last one. And now this apparently officially is his last one. Can you say any more about that? 
Well, he 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 just haven't hasn't felt the the need to write anymore, you know, since then, you know. And I think both the the sentiment behind that rag, you know, uh, and uh, the fact that it it seems to bring sort of a closure, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, I understand very well why he wouldn't want to write any after that, you know, because it's it's really uh, so sweet and beautiful. Another one that I really like on that first of the two CDs is called Tabby Catwalk. And here, the composer really makes use of silence very effectively. kind of catches us off guard, maybe the way a cat would. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, it's a trick that some ragtime composers early on uh, used called—they called it stop time. Uh, the music would stop for a bar or two, and then it would start again. But the rhythm would always be going behind, you know, regardless. This happens at the end of Tabby Cat Walk, and you know, suddenly you have these silences. I was talking to somebody recently who was wondering whether her CD player was faulty. Because the music would stop and it would start again and it would stop. But uh, I got exposed to that rag actually through Bill's own playing because just recently I got an early LP of his, which is just his own rags, and Tabby Cat Walk is on there. And of course, you know, I couldn't say it was a CD player because it was vinyl, you know. <laughs> but I, I asked myself the same thing I mean, is, is, is something going on here? Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's just written like that. And it's quite an effective little thing. Let's talk about some of the rags that are heard on the second CD. It opens with the three ghost rags, the most famous of which is the first one, Graceful Ghost, and that one is dedicated to his father, the memory of his father. about that piece? What makes it so graceful, if you will? Well, it's one of those tunes. It's one of the best tunes Bill ever wrote. And it's one of those tunes that, to me, seems like it always existed. You know, even when I heard it at the beginning, the first time, I thought, no, no, this is really nice. But uh, that, that's 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 all, really. I mean, the, the tune has a special resonance that uh, n- not all of the rags, all of the other rags, as great as they are, you know, quite quite has. The very first rag that William Bolcom wrote is called Glad Rag, and that appears on the second CD.
And it does quote a little bit of Scott Joplin's opera, Trimonitia. Can you talk yeah, a little it's bit more? A, it's, it's just a, um, a transition, a four-bar transition passage, as far as I know. It's nothing more than that. It's a nod. It, it, it's a sort of an affectionate nod, though, to, to Joplin. There is a rag that's dedicated to an Argentinian-born pianist, Estela Olevsky. And it's called Estela, Rag Latino, and it melds together tango and rag. Can you talk about that, how we hear those two elements in this piece? Both of the, the uh, styles, the rag and tango, have syncopations, and uh, I think he makes them... He jumps from one to the other. So that we sort of hear them as one entity. I mean, he's done, he does the same thing with an earlier piece, actually, in the collections. It's called Ragtango. to Ernesto Nazare, who was uh, a very well-known Brazilian uh, popular music composer and wrote tons of tangos. And so it's really a melding in the two forms through a constant sort of alternation of the rhythms. Is there anything especially challenging about it that you want to talk about, or is it well, all just like uh, not really? I mean, Bill's music is never completely easy, you know, because uh, his piano writing tends to be very fulsome, very energetic. And sometimes requires a lot of uh, jumping around. Pianistically, it's really quite well developed. I mean, uh, the influences really are, are from everywhere, really from the classical to the popular tradition. So I wouldn't say that his music is easy to play, but it's very rewarding when it works. If you were going to sit down at the piano and play any one of these rags just randomly, which one would it be and why? I can give you an example. I'm just back from a, a month-long tour in Europe, and the last recital was uh, near Tours in France. And it was this, uh, in a special place called La Grange de Mêlée. The barn at Mêlée, it means, uh, uh, M-E-S-L-A-Y uh, being the name of the town. And it's mostly famous because uh, Sviatoslav Richter really liked to play there late in life. So it was uh, an 11 o'clock recital and uh, in the morning. And I played C.P. Bach and also the, the Beethoven Hammerklavier Sonata. But when came encore time, I, I sort of vied for a little more diversity. So first I played a quiet piece by Debussy and then I played Bill's The Poltergeist. Which 
which is the second of the ghost rags. Partly because I think it's just one of the most wonderful things ever, and also because uh, I wanted to have people acquainted with Bill's music, at least in a small way. Is there another rag on this two-CD set that you want to be sure to talk about that we haven't yet said anything about? Oh, God, let me see. Um, I mean, there's lots of them. I tried to just kind of handpick a few, but there might be some that you're like, oh, you need to need to bring this one to the forefront. Uh, well, there's a couple, actually, that uh, sort of distinguish themselves from the others because... Rather than straight ragtime rhythm, they have more of a dotted rhythm. You know, so a ragtime would be da 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 but a dotted rhythm would be da da So, so more more jagged. One called Night Hubert, as in U B Blake. Hubert Blake, and the other one is called the Brooklyn Dodge, and they're they're both wonderful and uh, and very swingy. They sort of represent a contrast vis a vis the others. The Brooklyn Dodge also was honoring the great stride pianist James P. Johnson. Can you talk a little bit more about that? How, I mean... Well, it's 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 very, very close to his style, actually. That's why... Uh, well, what does it mean to be a stride yeah. pianist for somebody who doesn't know what that is? You could basically uh, s- summarize it as uh, the left hand going, oompa, oompa, oompa. Octave, chord, octave, chord. Bass note, chord, bass note, chord. That's all it is, really. And whatever's go- and whatever else is going on on the right hand melodically. And you're covering a lot of ground on the keyboard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it's something to get used to, you know, because it requires a lot of accuracy. Is there anything else you want to add about this new project before we wrap up? Oh, I, I feel wonderful about it. And uh, Bill is pleased as punch about the result, you know. And uh, I feel very fulfilled, you know, because I think it's something that really had to be done to expose both the public and pianists to that kind of literature and to make them able to find it all in one place. To me, that's very important. I I enjoy making recordings in general, but the overriding sentiment uh, I have is that I want to do that for the music, not for me. And I I, want to do it for the appreciation of the music. The Complete Rags of William Bolcom, recorded by Marc-Andre Hamlin. With thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer, for New Classical Tracks. I'm Julia Macher, and this is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. ¶¶